want to direct your attention uh, tonight to just a couple scriptures. One is found in John chapter 14. I love this scripture. John chapter 14. And we're going to just read a couple verses here, starting in verse number 8. If you got to say, man, Philip saith unto him, to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? I believe that if Philip was given the microphone right then, he would have said, Yes, I know you, but I didn't know the Father. Just adding my theological two cents right there. Jesus continues, he says, And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? And then one more scripture, actually three verses found in John chapter 3. My friend Nicodemus, I can't wait to actually get to meet these guys. We're actually going to meet these people. Nicodemus, starting in verse 1, familiar three verses here, but nonetheless, nonetheless, all part of what we need to talk about tonight. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see. And I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight. When I mean a few moments, I really mean a few minutes. But I want to talk to us about an accurate rendering. An accurate rendering. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. God, I pray that you're among us tonight in a special measure. Bless your people, the Word and the Spirit. Keep your hand on all of them. Travel home tonight. Let there be no mistakes or errors or accidents. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some things tonight 
that fascinate me um, about the Word of God and about the church and really everything. In our very first scripture, this is a world-famous passage of scripture. I could quote this scripture to you when I was a brand new convert because it dealt with the identity of Jesus. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us, or it will satisfy us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? And I added, as a little theological footnote, that had Philip had the opportunity to respond to that, he probably would have said, well, I know you, but I don't know the Father. And Jesus says, have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip, he that hath seen the Father? And how sayest thou, show us the Father? He that has seen me has seen the Father. What that means is, is that Jesus was giving a very accurate rendering of the Father in a human being. Um, I don't want to get sidetracked because this is theologically, this is deep waters, but when you get into the Christological implications of God manifests in the flesh, it is deep waters. But this statement that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, it was an accurate rendering of the Father made flesh, or the Father made visible. And you can't get any greater rendering than that. If somebody says, well, I want to know who God is, then read the New Testament and familiarize yourself with Jesus Christ because he was God manifested in the flesh. But it would be so easy for us to just not emphasize that when, when you were looking at Jesus, you were looking at an extremely accurate rendering of God. When we talk about the word rendering, we're talking about an illustration. We're talking about um, something that is being converted so that it can be revealed or something that can be seen an artist that renders a drawing of something that he saw is doing his best to translate into a picture of what he saw. And Jesus was the ultimate rendering of the Father. But then in John chapter number 3, and this really has, this really has my interest here. Um, this scripture has become so familiar to us 
as apostolics that we can quote it sometimes um, and just gloss over so much. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. That's a whole message in itself. And says that we know that thou art a teacher. Well, Jesus was far more than a teacher. So, Nicodemus was not really able to connect the dots to really understand that this is God manifest in the flesh. This is, this, this is he that was born miraculously of a woman and is the Savior of the Jews. He didn't realize. The Jews didn't comprehend that God's plan really included the entire world. They were only looking at Jesus to be their Savior. But Nicodemus isn't even going that far. He's saying, we know that thou art a teacher, a sage, a scribe. But you have come from God because nobody can do the miracles that thou doest, changing water into wine and a few other little miracles that he did, except God be with him. Of course, we know that he was God manifest in the flesh. Are you with me? And so Jesus' response here in verse number three, if we just rush right through this, Jesus is responding to that. He is responding to that last statement. Except a man be born again, he cannot see. First of all, the kingdom of God. And so, Nicodemus, you need to get adjusted if you're going to be able to comprehend and ultimately appreciate what's going on. Are you with me? Uh, make no mistake about it, Jesus has given him a very supernatural, verses 1 through 8, especially verses 3 and then 5 through 8, are extremely uh, supernatural. And it prefigures, obviously, the message of salvation, Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, and a host of others that talk about water and spirit. But in this very first response, <clears throat> he is putting the emphasis that unless you're born again, you're not going to be able to comprehend. So, I know you think I'm just a teacher come from God. You're making me the equivalent of a sage or more specifically a scribe. Jesus is so far beyond a scribe, it's, it's, it's funny. Not even remotely on the level of a scribe. Far beyond that.
But Jesus knew that the adjustment had to be in Nicodemus. Jesus is not going to do anything out of character. He's not going to do anything just to get people to think a certain way. In fact, I could make a very strong case here tonight, if we had time to do it, that everything that Jesus taught in his entire ministry was, was prefigured and pointing to the future, to when people were in the kingdom of God, they could go back and review his entire ministry and see it through a brand new lens, and it would have a completely vast different comprehension and different meaning. I believe he knew that. Obviously, he knew that. He was God. I walked into an apostolic church almost 40 years ago. And there was not one thing that I came in contact with in that very first visit at the Rock Church that I could relate to. There was not one thing in that church service that I could relate to as a human being. I was living in, in the fast lane. Um, very, very worldly, very, very fleshly, very, 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 very whatever else you want to put on the end of that. When I walked into that church, I was my senses almost were assaulted because of the unfamiliar, how unfamiliar I was with that environment. I saw people that were worshiping God without just a liberation was there. They it was obvious that they didn't care what other people thought, and it wasn't. You know, when somebody says, well, I don't care what anybody thinks, sometimes that's, that's out of a bad spirit when they say that. They're, they're saying that not from the same way I'm saying it. I'm saying that they were, they were liberated from what people thought. That's different. You with me? You all here tonight? I know you're here, but are you here? Um, they were very unreserved and unhesitant to manifest their their love for God and and truth and just worshiping God I've never seen that in my life quite like that um I was not prepared for modesty um I kind of humor it now. Um, I really thought that where these people been hiding for the last 500 years? Women with their, you know, one of the old time hairstyles in Pentecost in the 60s and 70s is they'd go way up with the hair. Like there's a bunch of bees flying around. That, that's a joke. Let's all laugh together. Okay, I've never seen that before. Um, I had never seen where the men 
were well-groomed and well-dressed. They, I, and I kind of, just to make light of it, because it was my first introduction to this, I thought there were a bunch of CIA or FBI agents all in the same room. You know, it was all law enforcement. <clears throat> um, I had never been exposed to anointed, passionate preaching of the Word of God like that. It was, it was uh, I, I, I had no reference point for any of this. It was assaulting my senses as a very, very worldly person. Um, people were running the aisles. I, I, just, I just had no words for that because I had nothing to compare it to. Okay? Um, the only thing that I could compare it to was what I had either seen in a club or I had seen in a, con in a concert where people were exuberant and excited for a particular artist or a group. That was the closest I could come to that in my world. Okay? People were running the aisles. Um, and yet there appeared to be a sense of order to it. It wasn't people running around and then running into walls and running into each other. They all ran in the same direction. I hope everybody's listening tonight. Uh, <laughs> Even the children appeared to be, you know, halfway in, in, in order. And when you're a worldly person and you've been around a lot of worldly people, you don't, you don't just assume that all the children are going to be polite and good-natured. And yet, I didn't know it then, but I know it now. And yet, that church was... demonstrating a very accurate rendering of what an apostolic church is supposed to be like. See, Jesus didn't try to change Nicodemus. He didn't try to give him a Christological, theological um, Bible study to convince this ruler of the Jews that I am God manifest in the flesh. He just said, just go ahead and think whatever you want. It'll change once you're born again. I, I, I need you to follow me line upon line and precept upon precept because we're going somewhere with this. It means something because the apostolic movement is, is, that, is, that, is, is in a crisis in some areas because... They are thinking that we have to change in order to help people understand what we are. That is not what God wants us to do. And if you do that, you're going to miss the will of God. And the, our predecessors that have done that have compromised and lost the edge of anointing. That is a mistake to do that. Philip's been with Jesus for three years and didn't know who he was. He honestly did not know. And I, I'm just, I'm just going to fill in a few blanks. It's that after Jesus said, "Would well, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I believe that probably that perplexed Philip even more because he didn't know the Father. And unless the Father manifests himself 
with certain attributes, he is impossible to identify. He's impossible to study. He's impossible to methodically begin to put it together to where we can understand or comprehend an attribute of God. He's invisible. He's a spirit. And so Jesus, spiritually brilliant, said, now you're going to hear this, Nicodemus, in a few years, that you got to be born again. you got to be baptized, and you have to be filled with the Spirit. But until then, you don't see. Um, Sunday, something happened. We had a young evangelist here. He preached a great message. It really was. It was phenomenal. Brother Muse did a great job. Young evangelist. Sunday morning, I got up, and I can't say that it was an epiphany. Um, it was just, it was just, it was just like God God came over me and God revealed something to me. Every single building that we have been, that we have moved into, it's, it's just, it's been exactly like it is tonight. When we, um, man, I don't even know how many people we had when we moved into the storefront maybe 30 something like that we had 100 chairs out it looked just like this i will never forget when we moved into the building on broadway it was our very first church building we bought an episcopalian church completely remodeled it looked beautiful we moved into that building with our we moved into that building with a congregation of about 60 to 65, including children. And I will never forget that very first service. We have pictures of it. Somebody was in the balcony. It was just like this. We had a balcony that was completely unused for probably several years. And somebody went up in the balcony and took a picture. And maybe that first service, maybe we had... 20, maybe 20 people in that. If our midweek service used to be on Wednesday, and in our midweek service, maybe we had 20 people. When we moved out of that church, we had over 250. The, the floor, every seat was taken. We were putting chairs out in the vestibule. The balcony was packed. I remember Pastor, why are you bringing up all this? Just just ride this river with me. I'm not going to preach long tonight, but i got to share this with you. you got to ride this river with me. So um, I'm being very methodically how I built this. So I remember, I was just telling my wife about this. I remember, I remember looking out of my office window into the parking lot on Broadway 
and seeing about 15 cars every service. And I remember saying, God, I have no idea how you're going to fill this parking lot. When we left, the neighbors almost threw a party because the, the cars went all the way into the cul-de-sac at the end. On Sunday, I saw this building filled to capacity. I'm just telling you, my wife was just talking to me this morning. She was just talking to me, and she said, you know, the day she was just, when we speak to each other, it's not, honey, you know, unplug my hair curlers. No, it, we're talking spiritual things. And she said, honey, I see our building. I said, honey, you won't believe that what happened to me on Sunday. Something moved on me, and it was like God was trying to say, it's happened in that one, it happened in that building, it happened in that building, it's going to happen in this building. Don't look at this. We're just getting, we haven't even been in this building a year yet. Every building we've been through, it went through the exact same sequence. The enemy tries to attack us. He tries to discourage people. He tries to fragment it. He, he does not, he, I, 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 you understand. Every single, this is our fifth facility, every single facility we've been in, we did our absolute best to give an accurate rendering of what an apostolic church is supposed to be. You cannot get caught up on how people react. I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach here in a minute. Nicodemus classified him way down, not, not even the middle of a trinity. That's a joke because there, there is no trinity, but there wasn't a trinity until at least the third century, but you understand what I'm saying. He, 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 he could have said, well, maybe you're just, you know, like, like, like a theophonic form, like somebody in the Old Testament. You're, 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 you're the son of God manifest for a temporary period of time for a specific purpose. That's what a theophonic form was. In the, he didn't even do that. He didn't even say that you're an angel made flesh. He didn't even give him any type of recognition of deity. He said, you're a great teacher. Jesus didn't get upset. Jesus didn't try to correct him. Jesus isn't going to sit there and have a debate. You want to just go on? Jesus is not going to get upset. Jesus is not gonna, he's not gonna try to get you and coddle him and, and any of that. He just said, you need to be born again. Because when you get born again and your eyes are open, you're gonna see this thing is powerful. You're gonna see who I am. You're gonna see what I'm doing. You're gonna see this is for the whole world. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Which is why you start every service with prayer. Because that's where we adjust our eyes. The blueprint of an apostolic church does not come from some organizational headquarters. That's nonsense. 
It comes from the Bible. It starts with prayer. And then there is a move of God. There is a demonstration. And then there is preaching. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And then they continued steadfastly with breaking of bread and staying in the apostles' doctrine. That is the blueprint of the apostolic church until Jesus returns. There are people in this hour that are so worried that us being old-fashioned and us being so out of, out of the flow of, of where our modern culture is that we're not going to reach our culture. Ladies and gentlemen, you, we are here to manifest God. We are here to... We are not changing how we love God. We are not changing how we worship. We are not changing anything. The deficiency is in their eyes. They cannot see. I, there was a guy. There was a guy that walked in here Sunday with his girlfriend. He sat right about where Brother Daniel Clark is, and um, they started running the aisles, and things started getting a little bit. We started getting. And this guy, I saw him. him and his girlfriend walked out faster than they walked in. Make sure nobody's following you. We're not going to try to stop you. We're not going to follow you to your car. We're going to let God talk to you tonight. We're going to let the angels go after you. As for around here, we're in love with Jesus Christ. We are not going to change our love affair. We are not going to change worship in God. We are not going to change one thing. We're not at fault. They need an adjustment in how they see. We're not crazy. It's just that some people are blind. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I use that example very early on because it has extreme relevance. I walked into this church and there was not one thing that I was raised ecumenical. I was raised in a United Methodist Church, which they're, they're huge on um, transgender and you can just be whatever you want to be. They've changed with culture. You can always tell a denomination because a denomination will change to try to please culture. The Mormons have changed two or three times just in the last 10 years because they don't want to stick out and have to stand on the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, let the chips fall where they may. As for me and my household, we are living for God. It was God that called me out. It was God that kept me out. It was God that saved me. It's going to be God that raises me. Oh, let's clap our hands and give him great praise. We ain't changing nothing. There are people that attend this congregation. That told me. Some of the most well-known churches in a particular district. And in the 60s and 70s, 
Some of you might even recognize, I'm not going to say any names. You know, that's, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But they were almost like a household word, at least in the South, as being great preachers. But there's people in our congregation today that told me, they said that the pastor called them in the office and said there will be no more public speaking in tongues in this church. There is a woman, a very precious woman in this congregation that told me that the pastor personally told her, I want you to, to stay in your seat. Do not get in the aisles. There will be no more run in the aisles. There will be no more worship. There will be no more demonstration. You are no longer apostolic. You go ahead and do that because you're afraid of what people think. I'm more, I'm more fearful about what God's going to think than I am the opinion of the mayor or the opinion of my neighbor or the opinion of any human being. I've got a God that I've got to please. I've got a God that I'm in love with. I've got a God, and I, need, I owe it to this world to give an accurate rendering about what being in the Holy Ghost looks like. Being in the Holy Ghost is not just sitting there. Being in the Holy Ghost is not being critical. Being in the Holy Ghost is not just folding your arms. Being in the Holy Ghost is moving. When the Spirit moves, you ought to move. That is an accurate rendering, brothers and sisters. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. You know, back, I was looking at some of the reviews that people had of Cornerstone on Google. And you can tell the ones that are like Nicodemus. You get people that were, have been sitting in a very controlled denominational existence, and you put them in a church, a Sunday service at Cornerstone, they're not going to be able to, they're going to think that they're right and we're wrong. At least when I walked into one of these things almost 40 years ago, I didn't think you were wrong. I just thought you were weird. Ladies and gentlemen, when I got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, I didn't care if you was weird. Go ahead. The world can say whatever they want. The divine favor of God, like a hammer, is upon this church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. Government will not prevail against the church. Politics will not prevail against the church. Entertainment will not prevail against the church. The opinion of the denominational world. Nobody. Providing this community in our, our region with an accurate rendering is our responsibility. You are the only Jesus that some people may see on the job. Did you say something, Brother Charles? 
You have a responsibility to leave people with an accurate rendering. You are the only, my wife and I were, were someplace here, I can't remember where it was, but I remember what I said to my wife. There were tens of thousands of people that were there. And I said, honey, how many people you think in this place have been baptized in Jesus' name? This is why you cannot afford yourself to get caught up on the hang-up of, 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 of being overly critical against a brother and a sister. That is getting you so far off of what your responsibility is. It's not your job to be critical of anybody. If anything, you ought to pray for them. Where's this deal where we have a right to be critical about anybody? Let me prove to you how off you are. If you cannot pray for them to the degree that you're critical, that shows you right there that you're listening to the wrong voices. And I promise you that once you start praying for them, you're going to say, I'm not going to be critical. I want to see them be healed. I want to see them be blessed. I want to see them be healed. You are the only God your family's going to see. you got to leave them with an accurate rendering. I wish I had a guy like Brother Harold Sargent live in my neighborhood. Come and shovel my walkway. He told me a couple weeks ago, correct me if I'm wrong, Elder, that you had shoveled off and cleaned off 12 driveways. How old are you? God's perfect number. Your neighbors, you are the only rendering that they're likely to ever see in this lifetime. And I'm pre while I'm preaching this to you, I'm preaching it to myself. I'm just going to tell you as a pastor. I am not going to freak out because people cannot see themselves running the aisle. Oh, I'd love to come to that church. I love everything about it. But, man, they run, they jump, they shout. Well, when you get the victory, you'll do that too. But that's not what Nicodemus wants to do. See, Nicodemus has no reference point for deity. He has no reference point for God manifest in the flesh. He has no revelation that he can hang this on like a nail in a sure place and say, I, I, can, I, can, I understand. Until you're born again, ladies and gentlemen, after I got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, I was running the aisles before the drummer was even at the drum set. There was me and another guy, and it probably wasn't even spiritual. It was probably more competition. But I said, this dude is not going to take more laps than me tonight. I know it's immature. I know it's slightly carnal. But um, 
we were so excited about what was going to happen in that church service. We started running. We started shouting, and when that music started, man, we went into another gear. And I saw one of the greatest revivals I've ever seen with my eye. Don't you dare believe that nobody wants this. The angels are waiting to see that we're going to continue this. And then they're going to be pre be bringing people into this that are saying, can God heal me? Can God deliver me? Can God open my eyes? Can God make me a new creature? Can God give me a new life? Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Our responsibility is not to worry about what all the brethren think because that's going to divert our focus and our energy. I want to be what God wants me to be. Now, if I'm compromising and losing it, I need people to be concerned about me. But small people are mean people. Small people are mean people. And big people, they ain't got time for it. I ain't got time for it. accurate rendering to change one aspect so that we can be more appealing to the world is a tragic, tragic step in the direction of compromise. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands and just love him we're not predestinated, but the church is. And thank God that he wanted me in his church. And he wanted you in his church. He saw something in you that would not conform to the opinions of this world. He saw something in you. Come on, let's really pray. There's a spirit. A degree of the spirit that wants to break forth in somebody's life, somebody's heart, somebody's mind, somebody's soul. God called me out to be different. Why would I want to try to fit back in? I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. And I know that you're not ashamed either. You know what? This altar is open. You want to come and pray? Let's have a couple minutes of prayer here tonight. Um, come on. By the authority of the name of Jesus. And then we're going to be dismissed in Jesus' name. Pastor, I'd invite people to this church, but I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed of what they'll say. You can't do that. They need this. They're they don't know what freedom looks like. They don't know what liberty looks like. They don't know what power in a human life looks like or feels like. You're the only one they'll ever see. Come on, let's pray tonight in Jesus' name.